Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, but it's a special mailbag edition because we've got a guest. It's Ole Miss head football coach Matt Luke coming up in just a little bit. But first, it's David Johnson. What's up, man? Well, it is raining in Oxford and has been now for a week. Uh, I'm thinking about constructing an ark if this stuff doesn't get out of here soon, Ben. I tell you, I'm, I'm looking out the window right now and nothing but wet stuff everywhere. Are you one of those people that buy into your mood is drastically affected by the weather outside? I am not. No, no. I've been very happy on rainy days, very sad on sunny days, and vice versa. I have empirical evidence that that doesn't matter. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. There's no easy way to segue into the questions. Well, talk. Oh, the mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. I wanted to start in one place. It's an important question. Something right. you and I have talked about, got a lot of passion about. It's from Lucas Crenshaw. He wanted to know, is Chester Graves a real person? <laughs> I saw that. I, saw, <laughs> I think I clicked like on that when I saw that question on Twitter. Yeah. Man, Chester, Chester's real, but I'll be honest with you. I don't know what's going on with Chester. Everybody thought he was going to sign with Missouri. Obviously, I, I, I mean, apparently that did not happen. I don't know why Chester hasn't signed, but uh, – Look, I think Ole Miss has moved on from Chester Graves. He he has built quite the legacy over the last couple of years. When uh, he didn't make it here out of high school, but I think at that point it was pretty much uh, over with Chester Graves. I, I love the Chester Graves questions. I always will. Um, I had to start and, there. And they'll always be there for you, Ben. Always. As long as he's a recruitable athlete, Ole Miss fans will have an interest in Chester Graves. 
can't get to your Game of Thrones questions today because Matt Luke's coming on the podcast. Uh, and also because I'm planning a full Game of Thrones segment for the uh, podcast, first podcast the next week with Maester Daniel. So we also just finished my rewatch, so it'd be best for me to analyze all things Game of Thrones um, on next week's podcast when I have time to think about things. Dave, at Gunboat Dave. Thoughts on the two Juco transfer pitchers giving up eight runs last Saturday. Does this Saturday roll concern you a little bit? Also, thoughts on Ron Roberts. I'll let David handle Ron Roberts in a second. As far as the Juco transfer pitchers giving up eight runs, not overly concerned. I think Zach Phillips uh, will be fine in time. Um, I think right now the thing I'm most concerned about with the pitching staff in general is if you guys have a drop in velo, they're not pitching to their typical velocity. And that starts with Zach Phillips and it continues with a number of different pitchers that have gone out there. And um, Gunnar Hoglund uh, looked pretty good, but he was only sitting about 90 when he was 91, 92. A lot of guys out there right now that aren't quite ramped up as far as their fastball velocity is concerned. But no, I'm not concerned yet. Now, if Zach Phillips turns around as the Friday starter replacing Will Etheridge, who has a blister on his finger in the first game against Tulane, supposed to be tonight, then yeah, uh, I think it's Easily, easily time to start worrying, even only after two games. But right now, no. So what are your thoughts on Ron Roberts, David? Well, you know, I, I, I guess I could take that question a couple of different ways. I, I, as far as Ron Roberts being a candidate to join the staff at Ole Miss, I, I'm just going to only have to say and leave it at this. that uh, I do believe there is mutual interest between Ole Miss and Ron Roberts. Um, great guy. Uh, very good football coach. Intense individual. Uh, and Ben, you know this. I know Ron very, very well. Um, uh, we we live down the street from each other at one point, and uh, our kids are friends, and, and we've always maintained uh, contact. And uh, just a super guy. I think he'd be a great addition to the staff if that's the way Matt Luke chooses to go, and uh, Roberts were to uh, want to be in Oxford. And uh, at this point, on 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 a Friday morning, a little bit after eight thirty a.m., that's where I got to leave it. Scott Pilant at Scott Pilant. Who is Ben's coach to watch for the inside linebackers coaching vacancy? I know David has stated Roberts, but what's Ben's take? Ben's take follows David's take because Ben trusts David's reporting on this. Woo! That's what I'm going to say. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Fist bump right there, man. Yeah, just for you. Forrest Crumby, who do you feel Ole Miss matches up better with in regards to a potential upset against Kentucky and Tennessee? Tennessee. I just feel like the overall athleticism of Kentucky is going to give Ole Miss significant problems as the overall athleticism of LSU and Alabama, same thing. They hey, gave hey, Ole Miss a lot of trouble. Hey, not not straying off the rapid-fire Q&A, but I want to get your take on something real quick. How big is okay. that game tomorrow for Kermit and the Rebels now that they they went to South Carolina and lost? South Carolina loss is not going to be a bad loss. South Carolina is one of the better teams in the SEC, regardless of their overall record. They had a weird non-conference schedule and weird non-conference performance because they had some injury issues had some foul trouble i remember silva got in foul trouble at wyoming when they lost that game they've only lost four games in the conference and those games came to lsu kentucky and tennessee this team's a really good basketball team and that win over Ole miss propelled south carolina to 79 in the net rankings they're going to get to 75 that means that that loss will be a quadrant one loss and won't really mean anything as far as losses are concerned. They still don't have a bad loss. But Georgia was always a game. Georgia at home, tomorrow at 2.30, was always a game. They have to win. They have to Mm -hmm. win that game. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're expecting to go to the NCAA tournament and continue your trajectory, and they're firmly in the NCAA tournament right now, they're not on the bubble, they're in, 
you got to beat Georgia at home, and then you got to exactly. go and win at Missouri. I think if you just win those two games, it's locked up and done. If you win three, including one at Arkansas, or somehow pull an upset against two teams that are better than you in Tennessee and Kentucky, yeah, there's, you're just playing for seeding at that point when you go to Nashville. But there's if you win those two, Georgia and at Missouri, just those two, you're in. Georgia um, game tomorrow is huge. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. huge for them. You can't lose these kind of games at home, period. You can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't do it. It's going to hurt them if they lose it at home. I don't know how far it'll drop them, but they were 30 in the net and dropped to like 38 to 40 in the net once they lost to South Carolina. But again, that's going to improve as South Carolina continues to win. They're already 79. They're going to end up 75 or better, which is the um, borderline for making Quadrant 1 losses what they are and Quadrant 1 wins what they are. So, yeah, that South Carolina loss didn't matter. If you lose Georgia at home, that does matter. <laughs> that's a... I know, but here's the tricky part of it, too. Georgia has played really well recently, really well. Ever since losing to Ole Miss, almost beat LSU, almost beat State. Actually got kind of screwed over against State, quite frankly. I saw that, yeah, yeah. kind of controversial. And look, this is this is way off track here, but you know, your thoughts on Jim Beheim? I mean, wasn't that terrible? I, I mean, your Syracuse Awful. basketball team takes a win. He's on the way home, hits a guy who, who is – had some car issues or something, icy road issues, uh, just just totally bad. That's that's just bad, you know. You gotta you gotta you gotta feel bad for Jim Beheim that you know life happens sometimes in bad ways, and sure happened to him the other night. And also, this has nothing to do with anything, but we're talking about now death somehow. And oh wow, Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe, a baseball writer I've been reading since I was a kid, passed away suddenly yesterday, and it's just. I don't know. The older you get, um, the more everyone around you gets chipped away, and it's tough. Brent Bean at Beanster210. More likely to happen this football season. What a segue for me. Two guys rush for over 500 or two guys over 500 receiving. That's interesting. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to take both on that. I think you're going to have two 500-plus yard receivers. I think you're going to have two 500-plus yard rushers. One of them may be a quarterback. Huh. I that mean, means Scotty Phillips doesn't hit a thousand. Oh no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I don't think it does at all. Uh, you know, I think you're going to see some uh, some adjustment on where the production numbers are coming from this offense. Um, and anybody who's watched Rich Rodriguez's teams play fully understand that the quarterback is a run threat every time you snap the football. Um, so uh, I think there are just going to be some different ways to pile up that yardage this fall, if that makes any sense. No, it does, and. I could see that. My only reservation about two guys rushing for 500 yards, one of them being the quarterback, is I don't believe Matt Corral is that type of runner. That'd be my only concern. Matt can run. Matt can can definitely yeah, but run. that kind of runner. Uh, yeah, you know, 500 yards. That's not a. Uh, that's not. Yeah, it's not a lot. Uh, that's that's not a whole lot. And and I'll, I'll go out on a limb. That's and less you. than 50 yards a game. So I, I think one of those 500 yard receivers is going to be Octavius Cooley. Just that is going out on a limb. Yeah, it's going out on a little bit of limb. I think I think Ole Miss is going to see the tight end heavily involved in this offense. One of those other 500-yard receivers is Elijah Moore, has to be. Yep, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Tommy Sumrall at Tommy underscore Sumrall. If you were a coach, would you ask Pellerin to try out linebacker? Coaching inhibited last year's team. So assuming modest improvement in 2019, does offense end up scoring more touchdowns, and will the defense actually be pretty good considering talent like Shepard, Benito, Cotney, Tisdale, et cetera. Defensive talent, once you start to get in those weeds, uh, you can convince yourself pretty quickly that Ole Miss is still talent deficient significantly. But to start off, 
Would you ask Pellerin to try linebacker? I wouldn't because he's their no. backup tight end, and I don't know who else is. Yeah, he's he's going to be the number two tight end. And the thing about that moving into the fall is that you're going to you're going to see Ole Miss use some two tight end sets. I, I think quite frequently. I had a good conversation with Calvin McGee, the new tight ends coach, earlier this week, and we talked about that. You know, he says, you know, that's kind of up to the tight ends. You know, you know, are they going to step up to the task if they've got two tight ends that can play? They'll put them on the field at the same time, and they're not afraid to do that. Uh, this ought to be the year Jason Pellerin kind of leaves his mark, I think, on the Ole Miss football program. He's, he's a superb athlete, always has been, smart guy, uh, and I think he's going to have a shot to make a dent in things with Rich Rodriguez's offense. As far as flipping him over to linebacker, Ben, you know, there's a mentality part of the game of football. Jason Pellerin grew up as a quarterback. He was recruited here as a quarterback. He uh, then, then swapped to tight end, but he's still an offensive player. And look, if you're going to play Southeastern Conference in the uh, – I mean, if you're going to play line, linebacker in the Southeastern Conference, you have to have a switch on you somewhere that you can turn on and off where, uh, you know, your your sole purpose in life is to eat someone's face off of their head. Uh, I, I don't know that Jason's wired that way. And that's, that's not a shot at Jason, but, you know, playing quarterback, playing tight end, that's a far cry from being out there on the, we're not talking about Friday night football here. We're talking about the Southeastern Conference being out there playing linebacker in the SEC. No, I mean, I mean, four years into his uh, college career is not the time to flip Jason Pellerin over to linebacker. Modest improvement in coaching in 2019. Rich Rodriguez uh-huh. steps in for Phil Longo. Defensively, Mike McIntyre <laughs> takes over for Wesley McGriff, does offense end up scoring more touchdowns, and will the defense actually be pretty good considering the talent? More than modest improvement on this coaching staff, uh, first of all. I I mean, Rich Rodriguez's offense, uh, I I, got to tell you, I think they're going to play with a little bit of of meanness. And a lot of times you associate, you know, uh, meanness with the defensive side of the football. But I think Rodriguez's offense is going to want to push people around. Uh, I think they're going to want to hit people in the mouth. Does that lead to more more – touchdowns being scored which is the purpose of it i'm not sure i don't know i mean certainly there is a talent deficiency from last year's team but but i think they're going to go out there and and give a very good accounting of themselves despite that talent deficiency on the defensive side of the football with mike mcintyre uh he's one of the most cerebral minded defensive coaches in all of college football uh that that side of the football has improved itself tremendously in terms of position coaches and i think you'll see more of that in the coming days when they they fill john sumrall's void on that side of the ball um yeah i mean the coaching moves matt luke made in the offseason to me were probably worth two or three more wins you've walked this path many times before It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. Colin Brister, our buddy at Colin Brister. Best teenage drama not named Saved by the Bell. Boy Meets World, 
Dawson's Creek, the OC. I don't know if Friday Night Lights counts, but Friday Night Lights. What about you? There's got to be a TV drama or a movie or best teenage drama not named Saved by the Bell. So it has to be a television show. It has to be a television show. Man, oh man, I'm going back here. Uh, Lord have mercy. Uh, happy days, man. <laughs> wow. I, I have oh not watched God. Saved by the Bell, the OC, or or uh, you know, no, I don't. I don't do those things on TV. Happy I, days. Woo. I'd go happy days, man. I used to watch it when I got home from school every day back in the 1970s. Yeah, you're dating yourself hard right now. Keith Davis, at Keith D. Davis Jr. Has the club seating at the pavilion been a success or failure? Every basketball game that I have been to this year, the club sections are filled to 50% capacity, while the rest of us are crammed into the sections behind the baskets in the upper deck. I'll be honest. This is completely just line of sight, seen at every single game, at every single game. I'm with you. They're never packed, ever. Uh, and that's the strange thing about it because of every huge crowd Ole Miss has had this year, they've had, what, three, four, five, six sellouts. I look around, and all the other stands are pretty much filled up, and yet the club seating is patchy, and that's where the TV side is, which is strange to me. Uh, I don't know if you can call it a failure because I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know what they've actually sold. Just because there aren't butts in the seats doesn't mean they didn't sell those seats. Um, it's still, to me, at least from an aesthetically pleasing point of view, it, not necessarily a failure, but it doesn't look good when on TV you got a, quote, sellout and you look at the club seating and it's just spotty at best. So I don't know if I'd categorize it as a failure. I would say that it's, at this point, it has to be recognized as a problem, though, when consistently that is never filled up. I, I don't know the one, the one time I've seen it filled up. Maybe the first game in the pavilion, the club seating was filled up. But other than that, you just don't see it. At worst, Ole Miss needs to move the camera. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how much it'll cost you. I don't know what you got to do. But I'd rather have my camera fixated on that student section and that side of the stadium, or Coliseum, excuse me, rather than on the club seating, which is never, ever filled. Ryan Wiggins, did you ever get rid of your Pathfinder and get a new car? I didn't because I had to get a new car for someone else. So, no, I didn't get a new Pathfinder. I'm still driving it, and she's still kicking. I, I, still know, kicking. How that, I know how that goes. We, we've got three cars. and uh, yeah, You're planning to buy I'll, a new car. I'll, I'll, you have I'll, all these thoughts of what you're going to be driving, and then, boom, you have to get something for somebody else. Well, we have three cars and four drivers, and very often I'm the guy left uh, with, uh, hey, where's the car? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Sounds I, like I, David Johnson needs a moped. Uh, actually, a minivan is what we're looking at, and uh, that may happen today, actually. Uh, Ooh. May, may we're looking into today. a minivan, too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah the car a- I just bought, <laughs> I might be driving so that someone that's, else can be driving the brand-new minivan. That's so cool, man. Uh, that mm-hmm. That is so cool that we're at that age as uh, husbands and dads where uh, it's minivan day. Yep. Six-year-old and a two-year-old. My six-year-old's got an attitude. My two-year-old does, too. I need to be able to reach back from the driver's side and tell them to stop doing whatever they're doing. Well, yeah. our, our our whole deal on this, now we, we've got this uh, Dodge Durango that you could probably put six people in, but, uh, you know, we're getting ready for football travel this fall. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so I got their, their, you know, it's me, my wife, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter. Oldest daughter has very serious boyfriends, probably going to be tagging along on everything. So I just need something I can travel comfortably in and, uh, 
So uh, where does the daughter's boyfriend sit in the minivan? Does he sit in the front seat so that you can talk to him? Yeah, yeah. Does he sit in the yeah, back? Yeah. Okay. He's going to sit up front with me. He's a, he's a cool guy. I like cool, him. Cool, good. Okay. Been fortunate in that regard. Yeah, good. Uh, not, Chandler. I can move ahead. Matt W. Crowland. Should Becky Ronda be the main event at Mania? Should Charlotte also be involved? Are you in for Kofi Mania? Becky and Ronda should not be the main event because I'm all in on Kofi Mania. I want Daniel Bryan and Kofi headlining WrestleMania. At Ole Miss Sports 67, with how well Cooper Johnson looks at the plate this weekend, what do you make of Bianco sitting him for Wednesday's game? Wouldn't you like to see him stay in rhythm and build more confidence midweek? Cooper Johnson had a good weekend. He's not going to lose that just because he sat for the midweek. He'll be back in the lineup this weekend. Thomas Diller is going to have to catch some innings, and at some point you have to get him in there, just like all the pitchers that Ole Miss threw against Arkansas State on Wednesday. He has not been a catcher since high school, so it was time to get him in there. He's the number two catcher. Perfect opportunity was Arkansas State. Catchers can't catch every single game of the year. They just can't do it. Even Nick Fortes didn't catch every single game of the year. You have to give them some time off. Did you ever ask that question about Nick Fortes? when Cooper Johnson would catch in the midweek, especially early. That's when Cooper Johnson caught last year was early. He stopped catching about April. Nick Fortes then took over every single game because then you don't really have many midweeks. You're playing all on the weekend against SEC teams. So that's the biggest thing. You want it, you're wanting to get Thomas Dillard those catching innings now in case something happens to Cooper Johnson later. This is the time to do it. We're not forgetting about John Sumrall. We're not trying to bury the lead. There are questions about John Sumrall, so I'll save our thoughts for those questions. But for those out there going, what the hell, guys? Talk about John Sumrall. It's coming, yeah. I promise you. Yeah. Bo, at SNW Man Bo, what do you think about Dom's strategy of losing the opening tip every game? Uh, <laughs> That's a great question, Ben. It's true. I, he loses every single tip. Even more egregious for me than losing the tip, though, is the fact that I think Bruce has more blocks than Dom does on the year. He's seven feet tall. He's built like a Greek god and yet he's not a rim protector. Kermit Davis will come on after every loss, it seems, in his post-game press conference and mention how they don't have rim protectors, they don't have rim protectors. And you look over at the seven-footer and go, Dom, by default, you're a rim protector. What the hell are you doing? How can you not protect the rim? Fulmus is going to beat Georgia on Saturday, and that sounds crazy. Oh, they're 1-11. That team is the best rebounding team in the SEC. You know why they went to Athens and won? Because Bruce Stevens had the best rebounding game of his career so far. Mm. Nine rebounds, as active as he's ever been rebounding the ball. They need more from Bruce. They need Terrence Davis to get back into that 8-11 to 11 rebound range and Dominic Olenicek to make a real impact. But they also, and I'm not saying this because I ever criticize officiating, but there were some questionable things at South Carolina. The officiating, they were just letting some things go. And you could point to a number of different calls that didn't happen. And Ole Miss sent in 15 different calls that didn't occur after the South Carolina game to the SEC office that were questionable. 15. 15. K.J. Buffin was getting hit hard over and over and over again. And there were a number of calls like Zach Naylor had his hands straight up. Meanwhile, Silva, he didn't have his hands straight up. He had his hands up, but they were more tilted toward his opponent. And Bruce Stevens didn't get whistled and given free throws. There's just some questionable stuff. Not to say that there was some nefarious activity going on, but they were letting some things go. I mean, did you not get that same kind of vibe when you were watching? Yeah, you know, it, it's part of the game. I mean, I, I didn't 
I didn't notate it uh, much like you did there. But um, well, Ole Miss hasn't really complained or sent much into the league office after every single game. And not to say that South Carolina was drastically different, but they looked at the film. They said, "Wait, that's a call. That should have been a call. That should have been a call." And they well, sent in fifteen. Well, officials are now. Uh, you know they're they're considered to be from the dark side now. Uh, and, and instant replay was going to do that. I mean, you know, it's none of these games are perfect, and these officials aren't perfect. But now, you know, they have to be because of the instant replay deal. And my whole deal is just like with the Saints. If you're going to have that technology out there, to uh, and, and the only purpose uh, of this instant replay technology is to make sure calls are made right, then freaking use it at every juncture that you need to to correct something that's wrong. Uh, that that that's my only. Only deal with that. Anyway. I think there's been a little bit of a detrimental effect to the points of emphasis that have changed seemingly every year and the replay for oh referees. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I In mean, basketball, I'm- I think they've become more stubborn to their own beliefs and what they're seeing. Oh, yeah. And then I'm watching the AAF on opening weekend, the Alliance of American Football. And I'm watching quarterbacks getting creamed. And I'm like, where's the flag? Oh, 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 wait a minute. This is like old style football. There is no flag for that. I I mean, it is absolutely. And look, I understand the player protection element and all that. I get it totally. Uh, And I want that to be paramount. But man, oh man, they have turned. I mean, guys like Ronnie Lott and Lester Hayes, could they even play in this game anymore? I mean, you know, defensive backs who would light your tail up. I mean, that was a big part of their games. I mean, nowadays you, you're pretty much playing basketball back there in this defensive secondary. Of all the rule changes, secondaries have been hit the hardest. They oh can't do gosh. anything. And, and, you know, somewhere in some marketing department up in New York City for the NFL, somebody's telling them, if you if you want them to watch it, you got to score touchdowns, got to score touchdowns. You know, I, I truly believe the motives for starting to change professional football was simply not player safety. Now, that's a big part of it now, but I think originally it was all about how can we make this like the NBA? How can they score 100 a game? Keep keep fans on the edge of their seats. Keep them from changing the channels. We don't want defensive struggles. That gets boring to the viewer. And uh, and some of the games been robbed. Some of the spirit- Rams, the Chiefs was fun, but that was an outlier too. Oh, my goodness. The rest yeah. of it. Because I had just as much fun watching the Cowboys beat the Saints. I had no fun whatsoever watching the Patriots beat the Rams. But, yeah. There are extremes on both sides of that. Blisters on me fingers. When, if ever, and where will Chad get another shot? The NFL, the AAF, the XFL, CFL? You'd expect Chad Kelly to get another shot somewhere. He's working hard right now. And the thing to keep in mind, Americans love a redemptive story. There's nothing Americans like better than for somebody to make it to the top and then they get their chance to kick their teeth out and knock them all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain. But they're, they, the only thing they like better than that is to is for the comeback story to come back around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a talented quarterback. I, I mean, he's crazier than a shot cat, obviously, but um, or has tendencies to be. But he's going to get another shot. Of course he is. I mean, he's, he's working his tail off. He's not working his tail off because people are whispering in his ear right now, hey, you're never going to get another shot. It's because people are telling him, you're going to get another shot. I think he's going to get one. I think he deserves one. I mean, look, when I was Chad's age. I'm watching Christian Hackenberger from Memphis in the AAF, and I'm thinking, what the heck is Chad Kelly not doing quarterbacking this team? Yeah, because I think Chad Kelly's eventually going to find his way back to the NFL. About to get to Matt Luke, but before we do it, two questions because it's going to lead into Matt Luke perfectly. First, from 601 Reb Fan for Life at Jerome underscore Billy. Did Ole Miss fight to keep John Sumrall, or was it just a matter of him wanting to go home? 
Yeah, I, I mean, John certainly could have stayed, and Ole Miss would have uh, would, would have made it equitable for John Sumrall to decide he wanted to stay at Ole Miss. I, I talked to John Wednesday morning. Um, uh, I, I texted him, wished him well, and then I got a phone call in return, and, and we talked for about 20 minutes about everything. Um, I, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing these details. Um I mean, he got a call from Stoops on Sunday night, and it was basically, you know, here's the deal. You do not have to interview for this. I have no need to interview you. I want to offer you this job. It was obviously the, the money was absolutely outstanding. It was the opportunity to go home to his alma mater, and it was the promises ahead of what would happen to John once he returned to his alma mater? Uh, you know, there is a pathway there for him to become the defensive coordinator at Kentucky. I mean, so it was a career move. It was a family move per se with him being a former Kentucky Wildcat and it was a financial move. And, um, I, you know, I, I mean, I can tell you that the parting was very amicable, uh, between he and coach Luke. As a matter of fact, he and coach Luke sat down in coach Luke's office for a while and talked about the kind of guy they were looking for, to replace John on this staff. Um, so uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. There was no jealousy or dissatisfaction about any of the of the coaching hires, uh, not not at least according to John Sumrall. Tyler Lair, how bad does losing John Sumrall affect the recruitment of the trio from Whitehaven? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I, th- I think it does. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if if I said it didn't because Bryson Eason, the four-star linebacker up there, Tamarion McDonald, the three-star linebacker safety up there, they love John Sumrall. Now, Martavius French is the other four-star up there. I don't have quite the relationship with Martavius that I have with Bryson and Tamarion. But, uh, you know, I wrote a story on Bryson Eason last weekend. He was back in Oxford second time in three weeks, and in there I asked him, you know, what about John Sumrall? And you can go back and look it up, but but basically he said John Sumrall is the best guy on planet Earth. And um, I want to play for John Sumrall. This is a four-star linebacker out of Whitehaven. Now, within uh, – on Thursday morning, uh, John Sumrall was still in Oxford. Martavius French at Whitehaven was offered by Kentucky. So, um, you know, and John had already announced his departure – but uh, obviously had not picked up and gone to Lexington yet. But so uh, Summerall's going to be recruiting those guys. You you know that's going to happen, um, and just transferring that relationship over to the Kentucky Wildcats. So it's going to be important uh, when we see you know who Ole Miss puts up in the Memphis area. I do know Tyron Nix is working parts of Tennessee. Would not surprise me if uh, if he starts uh, if he gets the Memphis beat as well. I think Tyron would plug very good up. Uh, very well into uh, the Memphis area up there. He's, he's, he's wise, he's wily, and uh, the kids are going to like him. At I am unique 662 who do you think will replace Summerall? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I've said since uh, within an hour after it was announced that uh, John was leaving to, to keep an eye on, on Ron Roberts, and, and that's, that's all I can say on that. I think um, 
I, I just think he's a hot name right now. I mean, you look at what Bruce Feldman with the athletic wrote on Ron over the last weekend about how he's been the, uh, the guru's guru, so to speak with, uh, you know, guys like, you know, Pete Golding, the D coordinator at Alabama, Dave Aranda, the D coordinator at LSU, Brian Brown, the D coordinator at Louisville, Mike Bloomgren, the head coach at Rice, former Stanford offensive coordinator. All those guys came through Ron Roberts, uh, system of coaching when they were young guys, Feldman, the first national guy to point that out. We've been telling you that on the old Miss spirit for a long, long time. Uh, but, uh, I, I think he's a hot name. Um, and, and again, I got to leave it at that, but I think he's a hot name. At Ole Miss Sports 67, you mentioned Whitehaven. How much does John Summerall leaving hurt Memphis in general, just overall? Yeah, look, John's a heck of a recruiter. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to paint that any other way. Kentucky's getting a heck of a recruiter. He's got relationships in Whitehaven uh, in, in, in the greater Memphis area that he's carrying with him to Kentucky. Uh, he had done some really, really good work up there. I mean, you, you don't have to go back any further than uh, signing day. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and you know, Arkansas at least felt Sumrall came in and just stole Lakia Henry from them at the last second. But you know, he had built that relationship with Lakia over a long period of time. But he won that battle over John Chavis, by the way, um, and uh, was recruiting Henry for Arkansas. It, it, it's going to hurt. I mean, I mean, he was a good fit up there. I talked to Rodney Salisbury last Saturday, and Rodney's the head coach at Whitehaven High School. All right. And, and look, very, very good friends with Mo Harris. And, and you all know, you know, Maurice has a has a background at Whitehaven as well. And, and those guys are tight, have been since their high school days at Whitehaven. And I asked Rodney about, you know, John in the Memphis area and, and nothing but positive things he was saying about Summerall. He was really doing a good job covering, you know, yeah, recruiting up there in Memphis uh, for, for Ole Miss. So. You know, guys, it's going to stink, you know, and the next guy that, that comes in up there, uh, you know, look, John Summerall was not signed anybody out of Memphis. Let's 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 get that straight. But the vibe was he was about to. He was going to. Um, so it's important who Matt decides to put up there in Memphis for the Rebels. I'll handle this one and we'll get to Matt Luke at Ole Miss Sports 67. Do you believe that it has something to do with Nick's being hired as the outside linebackers coach? Not sure why Ole Miss would need an inside linebackers coach and an outside linebackers coach. Think Summerall could have been wondering the same. I got nothing but love for everybody on this beat. I'm good with everybody on this beat. I am not interested in disputing other people's reporting. I, I, everybody around here is well-sourced in getting their own information. So I'm not getting into any fight with any kind of other other people on the beats information. Because, look, I trust those guys. I know all these guys, and I like all of them. I'm good with all of them. I'm not doing this stuff. I can only simply tell you what we've reported. And as David already clearly laid out when talking to John Sumrall, that's not what we got. He talked to John Sumrall. You heard what David said about John Sumrall. As far as laying out the position coaching titles and what their responsibilities are, every team – that runs a 3-4, has two linebackers coaches. Cowboys did it. The Patriots did it. Alabama does it. That's the way it works. There was always the thought once Mike McIntyre came in that they were going to hire another linebackers coach. I don't think splitting the position group was all that big of a concern. And again, so that nobody runs anywhere and claims that somebody said this, we're not trying to dispute anybody else's reporting. We're only telling you what we got. And this is what we got. So either take it or leave it. But if you're trying to start some, not you, Ole Miss Sports 67, if you're trying to start something online, 
couldn't be further from the truth. I just, I don't, I'm not interested in any of that crap. I'm done with all that. People trying to start stuff, I'm done with it. I, I have no, no interest in it. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of talking about it. This is the information we got. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud, working on Rebel Sports Radio again. Yeah, be ready. And got some other things in the work as well as far as distribution is concerned. But right now, SoundCloud, iTunes, and also the Oma Spirit, OmaSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to Ole Miss football coach Matt Luke. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysePharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Joining us now on the Chaney's Pharmacy phone line is Ole Miss football coach Matt Luke. Matt, man, you've had a busy offseason. Tell me you're having a day off. I have. Yeah, so, you're doing something fun today. <laughs> I have, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. Now, we we uh, had a uh, our last morning uh, workout this morning, um, you know, mat drills and followed by offense and defensive walkthroughs, which – you know, the time that they're giving us is so important because we're putting in, you know, Mike's putting in his defense and Rich's putting in his offense. So, you know, that that that, that part has been, uh, you know, I think exciting for, for the guys. And then, uh, you know, staff meeting and then getting on to watching uh, 2020 recruiting film and, and evaluating players and then, you know, getting ready for start spring practice next week. It's interesting because the NCAA now allows you guys to work with the players for like an hour every single day leading into spring football, which comes up on Tuesday. But has that been beneficial? Have you seen some benefits from that? Uh, no doubt. I mean, you know, basically you're getting to do your walkthroughs and your install on the field. So when we when we go on the field on Tuesday, it won't be the first time that they've heard it or walked through it. So, uh, you know, it is the eight hours that you get a week is very beneficial. How's it been for the players? You got Rich Rod, you got Mike McIntyre, but those aren't the only two coaching staff changes, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, here coming up. But has the install been pretty seamless? Has it been a jarring experience so far for the players? What's it been like? Well, you know, I think any time that you have something new going in, it does present challenges, but it also presents opportunity and excitement. And uh, I think when, uh, you know, when Mike and Rich walk in a room, they have instant credibility and, and guys know that they've been successful. So I am, uh, I, I'm really, really excited about the opportunity and just, uh, you know, the, the, I think, I think more than anything, it shows a commitment to winning. It shows a commitment to the program and it shows a, uh, you know, a new beginning, a chance to uh, start this thing fresh, uh, you know, with no scholarship restrictions, no sanctions, and uh, and to to start uh, start new and, and and to be excited about it. If it's a new start, if it's fresh and all this stuff, what's day one of spring football going to be like? Now, if I'm a player walking in, what can I expect? Well, you know what I think. I think energy. I think uh, you know everybody knows we're going to be young, but um, you know a blue collar football team that plays together, um, plays hard. And again, I think uh, it's okay to be young because these guys are going to be getting a bunch of reps and, and 
flying around and, you know, go play hard-nosed, tough football, blue-collar football. And I think, uh, you know, Mike and Rich both have that quality about them. So, uh, you know, there'll be some uh, there'll be some freshman mistakes and, and some guys out there, but there'll be some guys flying around and finishing. So I think it'll be an exciting brand of football to watch. Is there any position group that Matt Luke is going to be paying most attention to this spring? The area you think, eh, I might dabble my hand a little bit more in this one than that one. <laughs> well, I, you know, the, we, we lost a lot of offensive linemen. Um, so we'll be, you know, Alex Givens, uh, you know, coming back and Ben Brown. So basically the right side intact, but there's going to have to be some guys step up. So I, I naturally gravitate there anyway, but working with some of those young guys and we got seven more guys coming in in the summer. So, uh, but, but, you know, getting these guys, um, you know, some reps, I think will be huge, obviously quarterback, um, is going to be big, you know, Matt stepping up, but, you know, but having uh, Grant and Kincaid there as well to compete will be, uh, will be really interesting to watch, you know, some new faces that receiver having to step in and make some plays. So I think, uh, I think it'll be, you know, an exciting spring to see who steps up. You're smart. I, I wasn't able to sneak that one by. You knew I was going with that one. You know I was going to be talking about the offensive line because that's that's the spot that <laughs> when you look around, you go, oh, man, uh, Ben Brown's back and Alex Givens is back, but holy crap, we got to fix the whole left side of the of the line here. Um, Royce, Newman's, right. Royce Newman's a guy that Ole Miss fans know well and know his name, but now when you look at Royce, when you look at Eli Johnson, when you look at Bryce Matthews, um, how hard is it? Or I mean, is it their time? I mean, developmentally, it's time for them to go right now. I mean, this is kind of the course that they were set on a couple of years ago, right? I mean, it's, at this point, it's next that, right. it's time to I go. Mean, these guys have been getting reps now for two years, you know, and uh, they they they've they've earned it. They've 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 put in their they've paid their dues. They've put in their time, and now it's their time. Um, so I think uh, Royce is very very athletic and very very versatile. I think he has the body type. He can play tackle or guard. Um, you know, Bryce Matthews is a guy that's, uh, you know, been getting a bunch of reps at tackle. I think he's very, very smart and uh, a guy that you can rely on and have no problem putting him in the game, you know, at right or left tackle. So I think um, I think kind of seeing that Eli is a fighter, he's going to battle you and, and, and do all the, the dirty work. He's very, very smart. He knows the system. So I think uh, I think all those guys having an opportunity is going to be it's going to be important, but then you then you have some very very young. You got Chandler Tuitt, who is very athletic and physical. Then you got Jalen Cunningham, who is a really really impressive uh, talent. You know, just trying to get uh, to get his weight right, but he's got a chance to be an NFL guard uh, if he'll come on. And the Hamilton Hall has lost a bunch of weight and got himself in really really good shape. And I think you'll see some good things from him. So, but we do have a you know a good group of guys who are older. They just have, don't have the experience. But I think. Uh, they're in position to help us. The question I presented David Johnson when we were recording this podcast was, I'm going to give you Alex Givens or the field to start at left tackle in game one. I'll ask the head man himself. <laughs> well, again, we'll see. I, yeah, I've always yeah. said this, but, but people, I'm, I'm looking to put the best five on the field. And, uh, you know, if that's Bryce at right and Alex at left with Royce at guard, then, then that's what it is. But, um, you know, after 15 practices, we'll have a much better feel for that. But I think, you know, the goal in the offensive line is play your best five guys, whatever combination that is. That is impressively diplomatic of you, Matt. Well done. Well done. Um, <laughs> you had a busy off season. coaching staff changes, recruiting. Let's start with recruiting before we get to the coaching changes. December, okay. it was – up and down you didn't close maybe like you wanted to february you closed exactly like you wanted to to get that february class finished up the way you did 
Um, how big of a shot in the arm was that for you guys and just getting that influx of talent? I mean, Lakia Henry in and of itself and John Reese Plumley, uh, both of those guys address p- potential uh, positions of need. How much of a shot in the arm was that class in February and finishing off that way? No, I think I think it's big. We we made the we made the decision in recruiting in in uh, December and February not to settle. I mean, we were going after the top players in the country, and we weren't going to settle. And uh, and we did that. We did it in December. Didn't close on some. When we did it, we did it in February, and we did close. So I think uh, I thought I thought it was really really good to not only address our needs, but um, but to also sign you know three of the top players in the state. Uh, you know, in that February signing, I thought that was huge for us. Um, obviously, for the state of Mississippi, but 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 most importantly, to uh, to address some needs. Which player did you sweat the most on signing day, whether or not he was going to sign on, in February? Which one were you thinking? Uh, I don't know. I'm waiting on him. Um, you know what? Uh, you know, I felt um, strangely strangely enough, I felt pretty good about Jerrion because I, I knew where his heart was. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Mingo a little bit. He was back and forth a little bit toward the end, but I, I think uh, the the relationship that Coach Nix and Coach Peeler had with him, you know, won out in the end. And uh, you know, uh, so I think I think you worry about all of them, Ben, <laughs> until they <laughs> yeah. until until they until it comes in. But I, I do. Uh, and then you know, Lakia was a battle all the way down to the end, but uh, that was obviously a, p- a position of need. You know, Ladarius Cox was a battle. Uh, so, so all those guys were 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 a battle, and you're and you're fighting against uh, good people. So, so to win some of those battles, I think it says a lot uh, about about where we're headed. What's the Mingo comp? Who does he remind you of? I see Dante Moncrief. You know what? I think he's a um, he's a big physical receiver. He's got strong hands. Um, the guys like Laquan and AJ. When they have good hands like that, they can transition so much faster into their, you know, in ball carry, so that, that they become very, very good ball carriers. Even if somebody may be one step faster, they got such good hands and strong hands, it, it, it creates uh, some time there. So I, I think that'll be a mismatch against some smaller corners. Well, looking at the coaching staff changes, um, the most recent one, John Summerall leaves for Kentucky. It seemed kind of sudden. Um, I know that you and John had a conversation before he ultimately decided to go to Kentucky. What was it like uh, in terms of trying to persuade him to stay? What all went into it? Did you feel like it was more having to do with him wanting to return to his alma mater? What were the discussions like? What went into the, the decision? Yeah, for John that was uh, obviously um, you know when I hired John, you know from Troy a year ago, I had a lot of a lot of belief in him. knew he was a really good coach, and uh, but I think the opportunity he had to return to his alma mater, I think that's really what it came down to. And uh, obviously wanted him to uh, to stay, but this was an opportunity he felt like, uh, you know, to go back to to where he played. And I certainly, you know, understand that because I'm I'm doing the exact same thing, and, and and have been through the exact same thing before. So I think what it does is just gives us an opportunity to uh, to find the best guy. We have very uh, we have some veteran coaches on defense with with Tyrone Nix now and, and Coach McIntyre that can coach some you know, different positions. So what we can do now is go find the best person available, um, whether it be schematics or recruiting, whatever direction we want to go, we can because we have some flexibility there. It wasn't the first time you had to fight off other schools for John Summerall this offseason. Did you fight for him hard this time or did you kind of understand him? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Same thing. And I, I don't think, you know, this one didn't come down to to money or any of those things or titles that this one just was a 
was an opportunity for him to go to his alma mater. And uh, but uh, he handled it like a pro the whole the whole way through, and got a lot of respect for that guy. He's a heck of a football coach. Okay, do you have an announcement for me? Who's the next linebackers coach uh, for Ole Miss? <laughs> Not there yet, but oh, we are going to go through the process. We'll be uh, we'll have uh, you know ten coaches to. Uh, Chris Ripon will step in. He's a veteran coach that's an analyst on our staff. So we'll file a waiver, and he'll be able to coach for us. Uh, he's been a defensive coordinator at Syracuse and has coached a bunch of football. So he'll he'll be there until uh, until we can make that hire. So you won't handicap it? Okay, Ole Miss, better odds, going to have a linebacker's coach by the time spring practice opens, or no? You're not going to put odds on it? Mm, no, no, no odds right now. But one thing I'm not going to do is rush into it. Yeah. I told you know we've been coaching with nine coaches uh, for a long time, so I think we can make it uh, a few practices. How was the process in getting to Rich Rodriguez and hiring him? When you brought him in, it's a name you wanted to talk to. Obviously, a big name. Did it kind of under the guise of secrecy until it got out there? Um, but once it got out there, did you feel? I know you wanted to go and interview some more candidates just because you wanted to give as many guys in the pool as you could a chance and, and weigh your options. But once his name got out there and once you were impressed with him, did you feel you had to move quickly? No, I never – on the on that offensive hire, it, I didn't feel like it was going to affect recruiting. So there was no need to move quickly. I, I wanted to hire the best guy. And uh, when you look for uh, uh, an edge and toughness and the ability to, to spread the field and still run the football, uh, you know, the guy – you know, basically all these, um, you know, all of the spread offenses, the guy had a had a hand in inventing a lot of it and uh, just widely respected everybody I talked to, talked about, you know, what a great offensive mind he was. Obviously, from afar, I had a great respect for him. And then when I met with him and we spent some time together with the staff, he was a fit, you know, he was a fit with uh, with Bick and, you know, Derek Nix and Jacob Peeler, they all – they all liked his his personality, and uh, but but I love his toughness and the edge that he coaches with. Uh, I think he's going to make us better. When you look across the board, Tyrone Nix is the next hire. Uh, John Summerall obviously is the latest, but Tyrone Nix was the one you brought in to replace Jason Jones, who's left. It's a complete staff overhaul for the most part. After right. you got the job, the interim tags removed. Did you think about doing that? initially or was there any temptation to do this overhaul then why now why did you decide now was the time to really you know what shake I, it I think uh, I think that was uh definitely a thought uh, um so when you you know when you get the uh when you're when you're coaching in the interim tag and you were going through everything that we were battling through um you're sitting there and you're like okay well all these guys they just work they just battle their guts out to help you know to help me get this job and to hold this team together and we had some good players coming back, so let's let's go get one year better. And then, you know that that was the mindset. And then and then after a full year to sit here and and, and really evaluate the program, um, I thought it, I thought it was time. I thought it uh, you know hey I'm going to go get the uh, guys from you know that like like Mike that I had coached with before and that I trusted. And again, you can go get a guy like Rich Rodriguez. I think it I think it makes a statement. Um, to not only to our fan base, but nationally, uh, especially with us going back to 85 scholarships and the the bowl bans being lifted, I just I think it makes a statement, and I think uh, I think a lot of credit goes to Ross and you know giving me the resources I need and the commitment to winning. Was the first question to Rich Rodriguez? Okay, 
What are your plans for the red zone offense? Was that the first one? Well, <laughs> well, the the you know, you know, like I said, we like we like Luke Logan. We want him kicking extra points, not <laughs> yeah, field goals. Uh, yeah. But but it's a but but obviously the ability to run the quarterback down there and have an extra hat, uh, I think will will pay some dividends. But just having the mindset. Uh, of run first when you get down there, then then obviously there'll, there'll be some opportunities for you know some, for some play action uh, and things like that. But but uh, Rich will have a great plan and, and and like the way he approaches it. Well, last two here, and I'll let you go. First one: What does Matt okay. Corral look like as a runner? Well, you know, I think uh, you saw four games. He he's definitely a willing runner. He's a physical guy. He brings uh he brings that energy uh, and that uh, the swagger to the sideline. I think players like playing around him because of that energy. So I think he's definitely a willing runner, but uh, you know, and that, that, I think that's one of the misconceptions is, is for rich. He's had some, he's had some guys that were good throwers too. And we're, we're going to be able to, to spread the ball around. Matt's plenty. Well, last one, you look at next year, um, you lost a lot, but you're coming off a year when you go five and seven, do you feel like this team, even with the lack of talent, needs to go win do you do you feel that I mean do you, do you just feel like you that Ole Miss fans are starving for that and it has to happen you need to go get some wins and go to a bowl and all that fun no stuff? doubt I mean I think I think that's the expectation the expectation is to go to a bowl game we've been two years where we've been on a bowl band and we haven't had that vision to, to, to play for that and I think we've been playing for each other and you know creating things and fighting for each other I think now that we can go to a bowl that, that that's going to be the goal you know we are going to be young and we are going to be battling and scratching and fighting for everything that we get but I think that's going to be the uh the challenge and the and, and the and the fun part of it very similar to when we came in here in 2012 you know kind of starting over I think it's a very similar thought process well, I, I said it was the last one, but is who's the loudest dude in the room right now? There's no AJ Brown out there just yapping at everybody. Who's the loudest leader in the room? Do you have those guys yet? You know what? I think we do have some guys that have played. You know, Jason Pellerin, Alex Givens, you know, Octavius Cooley, Corral. Um, uh, you know, definitely it's not Scotty Phillips, but he does lead by example. Yeah, he Scott, Scotty ain't going to do that, man. He, Scotty. Yeah, he 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 doesn't say much, but he is a. Uh, you know he is a worker, and I think people respect him. I think Elijah Moore kind of has that uh, that leadership mindset uh, to to him. And then all you know, defensively, we got a lot of good defensive linemen coming back. You know, Josiah and Benito. You know, Tisdale. Those guys are all going to play um, in the NFL. You know, I don't know what round, but they're all NFL players. So that's probably the deepest position on the team. And and. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Jalen Jones has done a good job. Even though he's injured, he's still one of those leaders. Yeah, I mean, if you want to fire anybody up, just send Tyrone in there to stare him down with that terrifying <laughs> stare of him. That's all you got to do. You well, uh, you know, I think that I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, coaches that are coaching with an edge and coaches with toughness. And I think, uh, you know, Ty brings that. And, and Coach Rich Rod definitely brings that. So excited about it. Yeah, Ty can probably outbench everybody too. So, hey, I mean. <laughs> He's got he definitely, it's, a, it's between him and uh, Big Nail for the biggest calves. Yeah, I mean, sure, so. yeah, those guys are going for it, man. They're still they're still hoss daddies out there. He's Matt Luke, Ole Miss head football coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Howdy, Toddy.
Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662 638 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. That was Ole Miss football coach Matt Luke. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. I asked for questions. Y'all send in 50. 50. So now to wrap this up, we're going to rapid fire answer these questions best we can. Of course, both David and I are long-winded, so we'll probably not do a good job, but here we go. Beham Ole Miss Club at Beham Rebel Club. What are your thoughts on Zabowski's draft prospects? Similar to Ryan Olenek, who was drafted in the 17th round by the Giants. He's a really good college player, but really good college players can find themselves getting picked middle rounds in the MLB draft, especially if they can't move around. So that's what I'm thinking happens with Cole Zabowski. I think, I'm thinking 15 to 21, something like that. Will Golson was picked in the 20s, and Will Golson was a really good college player, but he had more versatility than Cole Zabowski. Rebel fan 68. If an ambulance is on its way to help someone and runs someone over, do they stop to help them? Mm, that's like a Nietzsche, Nietzsche, uh, Confucius kind of question there. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. You hit somebody, you got to stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, call call back call back to headquarters and go uh, headquarters. Send another ambulance to. Uh, Here's you know, the we, address. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, headquarters, headquarters. Yeah. We've got a situation here. Are yeah. eyebrows considered facial hair? Man, you know, the eyebrow is actually part of the human body that we probably pay the least amount of attention to. At least I do, because every time I go to get my hair cut, you know, the, the guy always is like, hey, uh, you want me to take care of those eyebrows? I'm like, what, <laughs> what the hell's going on with my eyebrows? I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, hell yeah, take care of them. Is there an issue? Uh, you, know, you know how it is, man. You get that, the older you get, you get that one yep. wild eyebrow that's mm-hmm. uh, like on human growth hormone that, pew, you know, is like three inches long. But uh, you know, you're getting old too when you get gifted like a nose hair trimmer. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I got a couple of those back yeah, there. Yeah, I do too, man. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Eyebrows. Uh, yeah. That's, 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 uh, that's facial hair. Sure. It's on your face, isn't it? It is. It's facial hair. When will sports talk shows stop asking state writers slash homers to report on Ole Miss as fuel to the already already blazing fire? I don't know. Ask Paul Feinbaum. Uh, yeah, ask him. Do you think Bianco moves Dillard up in the order? If so, who bats fourth? He needs to. I've been a proponent of Thomas Dillard leading off since last year. At worst, he needs to be batting second. I would put it Thomas Dillard, Tyler Keenan, Gray Kessinger, but that's never going to happen. I think uh, Mike Bianco is not going to mess with a good thing and bat Thomas Dillard fourth for as long as he possibly can. Maybe he moves him up because I would want that guy who's got that kind of start going and is that good of a hitter getting as many at-bats as possible. But if he were to move up, he's not. But if he were, maybe Mike Bianco gets pressured into doing it. 
batting first or second, I think easily Cole Zabowski steps in as your number four hitter. I think that makes the most sense. All of these questions are from RebelFan68. In your opinion, Ole Miss is best when which five are on the court? Devontae Shuler, Terrence Davis, Brian Tyree, obviously, K.J. Buffin. Am I getting good Bruce or bad Bruce or good Dom or bad Dom? And Blake Henson hasn't done much since he went off at Mississippi State. I guess right now I would take good Dom, and that's their best five. I don't know. No, no. I take good Bruce because I'm thinking about George and how he rebounded the ball nine times and also could make a few threes. Give me that. But he's terrible defensively. That's tough. That's the predicament Ole Miss basketball is in right now, and that's why recruiting is so important and why finishing this off and getting to the NCAA tournament and continuing that momentum is so big. Here you go, David. Since David predicted Ole Miss to the tournament, can he go ahead and get the surefire prediction of the College World Series? Man, wow. <laughs> is that a little tougher for you? Yeah, it ah. is because um, – you know, last year is just so fresh in my mind, that one terrible day that, that's spoiled an otherwise fantastic season. Um, yeah, this team should be in Omaha. I, I mean, they, they should get to Omaha. Uh, I'm not saying they will get there. I'm saying they should get there. I'm going right. to leave that at that right now. All right. Okay. Rebel Fan 68, how did the recently signed linebackers feel about summer all leaving? Kind of touched on this already. Yeah, I did a story on it uh, with Lakia Henry earlier um uh, Earlier this week, as a matter of fact, I reached out to him uh, right after the news broke. And, and look, I, I mean, the short version, he's cool with it, okay? It's football. It's life. Uh, you know, anybody Aren't who most thinks, guys that sign, they, they end up they're like, oh, that sucked, and then they're cool with it like two days later. Yeah, look, man, these kids are wiser than, than you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to say anything I'm not saying here, but they're wiser than the average fan. They understand most of these assistant coaches – it's like the carnival rolling into town, you know, once a year or maybe once in the spring, once in the fall, here today, gone tomorrow. They understand that when they sign those letters of intent and decide where they're going to play play ball. If they don't, they're not paying very good attention because, uh, you know, it is a here today, gone tomorrow kind of business. If only that, players had that mobility ability as well. Yeah, players don't have that mobility, they right? Not. Hunter Kinneberg, does Anakin slash Vader make an appearance in episode uh, next episode of Star Wars episode four? Uh, well, I don't know why he would. I don't know why he would. I hope so. It'd be fun, but the fan service they need to get away from that in Star Wars. In my opinion, they need to get away from it, but probably not. Ty Driscoll, how bad does Will Etheridge's finger injury hurt his play? Well, he's not going to be available for this weekend at Tulane. It's the middle finger blister developed there. They said it might be Anko. Blood's come out. They dried it up. Now it's about healing it. It could linger for a while. It could linger probably for another couple weeks, potentially. I think he'll be back um, fairly soon, but it was more serious than they expected it to be. And Will Etheridge, if you've watched this pitching staff so far, they need him to be great because they're going to have some question marks all year, I feel. I think that's kind of a problem that they've got. A lot of Game of Thrones questions, like I mentioned. We'll get to all those the first of next week. I'm going to do a whole segment on Game of Thrones. But Matt Luke kind of squashed the ability to be able to do both of those things because we're already taking way too much time here. West Franklin at West Franklin. Here you go, David. Who do you think will improve their stock at the Combine, not including the obvious? Well, I'm assuming the obvious would be DK and AJ and, right. uh, and Greg Little. Uh, Dawson Knox is my guy. I, I'm telling you, Dawson Knox is going to win the NFL scouting combine. Uh, I, I've seen him in those kind of environments. Uh, he's going to go in. He's going to test out of you know through the ceiling. Uh, you know, a large part of uh, the NFL combine is what goes on behind the behind the scenes uh, in terms of interviews with clubs, the Wonderlick test, all that good stuff. He's going to blow all of that out of the water. Uh, Dawson Knox is going to be. I, I want to say this. I, 
he may not be the most talked about rebel at the NFL combine, but he's going to be right up in there in the top two or three guys getting the most ink and press in Indianapolis simply because he's got his measurables are going to be incredible. His testing is going to be through the roof. His personality is infectious. Dawson Knox helps himself more than anybody else at the NFL combine. At Jerome underscore Billy, great question here. I have no answer for it. The university had to apologize to Houston Dell Nutt and say he did no wrong. Why did Ole Miss have to vacate wins from his time at Ole Miss then? Well, I mean, I don't think there was anything that the NCAA threw that 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 had any sticking power to Houston himself. Uh, but obviously the ACT situation dated back to that. Uh, there were players on his roster. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess you could argue the uh, – uh, you know, the from a moral compass of whether or not that's particularly true or particularly not, as far as no wrongdoing took place under Houston Nutt. But my God, it's almost a decade ago. Uh, I'm all for just forgetting about that. Yeah, me too. But Ole Miss fans understand why you still do. At I am unique six six two. Name a player or players who needs to have a great spring. Yeah, you want me to go on that one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want me on that one, bro. I know, I, I know one in particular lives in my house. It better have a good spring. I hope he does. Uh, but uh, you know, just looking across the roster, I, I mean, you know, the guy that um, pops up in my mind, um, you know, just kind of right off the bat, that I want to know is uh, is is going to be the guy that they can depend on is Octavius Cooley. I, I mean, you're replacing Dawson Knox in an offense, uh, granted, that underused the tight end position criminally, okay? Uh, but they're not going to do that with Rodriguez. A tight end can be a big part of this offense. And I, and I saw leaps and bounds, I think we all did, uh, last spring with the growth of Cooley, and I think you want to see that again. You want to see him carry himself as a leader of that offense. Um, and, um, and somebody that's going to be dependable this fall because I think – He's had a very big season in the system. I give you Alex Givens or the field to play left tackle next year. Who you taking? Alex Givens. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the way things are ultimately are going to work out is you're going to see Givens flip over to the left side. Um, probably uh, Royce Newman slide down to left guard from this left tackle position that he's kind of penciled into right now, and Bryce Matthews uh, swinging over to right tackle. Last one from Unique Johnson. Name some players who will make a statement as the leaders of the team post-spring. Yeah, you know, you'd like to see Matt Corral kind of elevate himself. Uh, He's going to be your quarterback. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if it's fair to answer that question in February. Let let us get some uh, eyes on spring practice before we can start projecting mentally who's going to – who's going to kind of set the tone for this group. Jared Robinson, who was left on the basketball recruiting board for the 2019 class. Also, any Netflix recommendations? Oh, God, Netflix recommendations. The Indiana Jones trilogies hit Netflix. Uh, Rome was really awesome. Um, uh, uh, look, the documentary they've got out on fire. I never thought I'd watch yeah. that. I actually did the other night. It's pretty darn good. A movie that everybody needs to watch, and if you haven't already, David would love this movie. Hell or High Water. I watched that a long time ago. It's now hit Netflix. It's awesome. Yeah, I haven't haven't seen that. Uh, the founder, Western. It's not really a Western, but it's like a modern Westernish kind of kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah the, the founder, the story about Ray Kroc and McDonald's. Uh, that's on Netflix right now. Uh, very good movie. Twenty nineteen prospects for basketball: Kadeem Sai, Damian Ba. They're going to go after the grad transfer market. I'm going to have a full recruiting update next week. Um, Jamin Brakefield might reclassify. 
five-star for 2020. Sean Robinson is not reclassifying. He straight up told me that. His coach did a couple weeks ago. I wrote a story on it for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. He's a 2020 prospect, so he's not a 2019 guy. But those are some names. I'll have a full update next week. But, yeah, they're, they're going to add a lot in the spring. They could really hit the grad transfer market pretty hard. Charles Monson, why did they cement in a garbage can – why did they cement? Yeah, well, they cemented a garbage can right next to the Walk of Champions Arch at the Grove. I have no idea. I never <laughs> thought about it until you've asked me about it. I don't know. I, I, I've got to go out there and check that out. Uh, I, I know exactly the trash can he's talking about. I did not know that it was cemented there. No it, clue. So so it's like permanent. Yeah, there's a permanent trash can right then and there. Stephen Willis, at the Stephen Willis, our buddy there. Give me your under-the-radar signees to watch. I, I got one for you right now. Are you talking about basketball or football? Football. Football. Okay, football. Ashanti Sunstreet. Oh, from Louisville, Louisville High School. Uh, listen, man, I, I wrote this in the uh, Rebel Rise earlier this week. He is going to be the kid that everybody's going to be going. Where were all of his offers? Why was he a, a middling three star prospect? Look, he's 208 pounds right now. He's got a frame that's going to add 20, 25 pounds on it. Listen, he he's your Evan Ingram in this class. I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb and say that, that this is a kid that if everything keeps clicking, now everything kept clicking with a kid like Evan Ingram that you brought in and nobody was really excited about, didn't really know much about, nobody recruited him hard, uh, didn't have a lot of big-time offers. Keep your eye on Ashanti Sistrunk out of Louisville, Mississippi High School. He got here in January. He's going to be out there next week when spring practice rolls around. I cannot wait to see him. Why do I say this? Because I've had multiple coaches tell me this kid is going to be special. So Ashanti Sistrunk, that's my guy. Last one from Stephen Willis. He asked a Game of Thrones question. We'll get to that later. Archie is the most versatile TV character since Sue. He's speaking of Riverdale. Stephen, I love you. Archie is one of the dumbest TV characters ever. Hunter, at Real Dan Walken. Projection here on out for Ole Miss basketball. Win Georgia, lose to Tennessee, lose to Kentucky. Arkansas is a toss-up. Arkansas is not playing particularly well. I'll give them a win there and win at Missouri. They're going to win three more. So what does that put them at, 21? Yeah. Going to Nashville just to have fun. Yeah. 20 is in the tournament, but going 21, going to Nashville just to have a nice little fun trip. Jared Joel at Jared Joel. When does Archie Manning commit? Arch Manning. I'm sorry. Arch Manning, the newest Manning. When does Arch Manning commit to Ole Miss so Ole Miss fans can start to come play with the next Manning quarterback recruiting train? He's going to take it down to the wire. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to have so many offers. He's taking it down to the wire. That'll be a signing day to remember. Uh, but, but uh, you know, I think, well, we're still four, five years away. So, uh but uh, I'll go ahead and put uh, make put in my projection that he's going to pick Ole Miss. You know what I got to do? I got to go in there and create him a profile because oh he's already God. got a couple. He's already got a couple of offers. I don't. I don't oh think he's in the God. system yet. Need to get Arch Manning in there. Um, oh, but no. uh, yeah, he's going to take it down the wire. It's going to be a Peyton esque recruitment that's going to break Ole Miss's way. Uh, at the no, end. you think he's going to be? He's going to be that well recruited that good oh come on dude yeah yeah I, yeah I, I think so i mean just look i i mean it's not far-fetched to think that uh genetics plays a part in all this right i mean i mean like it's not an accident that emmett smith's son's one of the best running backs in the country in the in the 2020 class it's no accident that archie uh archie generated peyton and eli and uh i don't i don't think it's going to be an accident that uh that that cooper has uh, generated arch Cole Woods at Cole Miss 22. Does the best Ole Miss starting nine include Servideo in center field and Adams at second base? 
this would give the best defense in center field and a player with a high OBP in the lineup. Uh, I could buy that. I, I think the best lineup is Servideo at second base and Carl Gindel in center field with Ryan Olenek in right and Tim Elko in left. Tim Elko has not hit, though, so if he doesn't hit at any point, you have no choice but to replace him. And at that point, uh, I like Jacob Adams coming off the bench. I do. I, I think he's got a lot of uh, ability there as a super utility guy, but he doesn't move around a lot. At least he hasn't through the first three games. I could buy that. I really could. But uh, I, I really like Carl Gindel. I'm kind of bullish on the guy. I think he has a lot of potential. At Greg's Greg Greg, he's got a lot of questions, so let's go to hit him as hard as we can. Any news on basketball recruiting? Going to have that next week on the Spirit, and I covered that a little bit already. Freshman, you think we'll have a breakout season in the fall? I think David touched on that already. Your assessment of the coaching staff and what you think their best attribute is for the football program, like solid recruiter or great on-field coach. Real quick, your brief assessment of the Ole Miss coaching staff. Okay. Um, Rich Rodriguez, uh, on-field. On field, but he's certainly got an influence uh, in recruiting. We saw that with John Rice Plumley. Uh, Mike McIntyre definitely, I think, his attributes are what he brings cerebrally uh, to the to the defensive scheme. Um, are we talking new coaches only here? Or are we going through the whole staff? Hey, man, this is your thing. You can do yeah, whatever you want. Uh, okay, let's just stick to new coaches because of time constraints. Uh, Tyrone Nick's a fantastic recruiter. He's an intense guy, uh, certainly knows what he's doing on the field. And then uh, uh, Calvin McGee, uh, you know, he's a veteran. I mean, and he's Rich Rod's shadow. He knows what's expected out of Rich Rod's offense. And uh, already out there on the recruiting trail, he offered a JUCO wide receiver out in California last night. Uh, he's going to re- – going to recruit South Mississippi in the entire state of Louisiana. So that's basically home for him. He's from New Orleans. So uh, that, that's what I'd say about those guys. Any more upon further review episodes? Yes, but there's a reason I've held off for a little while and you'll find out hopefully really, really soon. Any chance of those being put on this feed to get more downloads for them? They were getting good downloads. There's a reason I held off and I'll explain that when the time is appropriate. David knows what I'm talking about. Book recommendations. Uh, I'm reading right now Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Are you reading anything right now? I'm uh, about to. Uh, you know what? I, I just thought about this. I haven't haven't really been spending much time with my study Bible, and I'm about to break out my study Bible and uh, and kind of get back into uh, some of the mysteries of the Bible. That is something I didn't expect. I'm reading a book right now by Timothy Keller. It's called An Invitation to the Skeptical, Making Sense of God. So there, that tells you where David and I are right now. Okay. Yeah, Greg, at Greg's Greg Greg. Baseball Hogwarts house time. Bianco, Slytherin. Ryan Olenek, Hufflepuff. Uh, Greg Kessinger, uh, Gryffindor. Anthony Servideo, Gryffindor. Tim Elko, Hufflepuff. Others, those of whom I don't know their Twitter handles. Rebel Coach Davis, at Rebel Coach Davis. Oh, he's Hufflepuff. 100% Hufflepuff. Can't think of any Ravenclaws out there. That's the best I got right now. Greg's Greg's Greg's. Any recruiting news? Lord have mercy. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's a question. I mean, there are, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to get on my soapbox here. I mean, I mean, come on. There are notes and three or four recruiting stories up every single day, and I'm being asked, is there any recruiting news? Uh, you know, thank you for the question, but I'm not going to answer that. Go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Yancey Porter and David Johnson cover the recruiting as best as anyone on this beat. So check it out. In a simple a manner as you can put it, how do you tell people Ole Miss is in good shape for the postseason in basketball unless Ole Miss loses out from here on out? I, I can't. Uh, I can't say it any more clearly. They have no bad losses, no sub-100 losses. Their, their four quadrant one wins are strong. 
The uh, strength of non-con schedule isn't that great, but Baylor won recently and keeps winning actually, and that helps them. That Baylor wins keeps getting better. South Carolina is going to continue to win to get into the Quadrant 1 territory. They're not on the bubble. They're in the tournament. Unless they lose out, if they lose three of the next five, they're still in the tournament. Anyone complaining after South Carolina, guys, South Carolina is not a bad loss. It's just not. Ole Miss is firmly in the tournament right now. Do they have to keep winning? Yes, but they don't have to win all of their remaining games. They win two, they're probably in, and in comfortably, unless some unforeseen stuff happens in conference tournament play. They win three, they're going to Nashville to have a good time. Wes Sparkman in the Godfrey and at Jay Feinstein books feud. Who's the Dusty Rhodes, Godfrey? Who's the old Anderson, I guess Feinstein? What pay-per-view is this headlining? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Dixie Stampede? I don't know. At Do Noble, if I let you into my loft, this is Duty Noble. You know what this, where this is going, David. If I let you into my loft, would you like to partake in funny business pregame with me and Duty Noble? <laughs> did you see that video? I did. <laughs> oh, man. Look, I, and look, kudos to them, man. That park is sweet, all right? but It uh, is. But I will say the whole, like, <laughs> standing on a moral high horse – or uh, on moral high ground saying, oh, we don't do the beer showers. Yeah. We don't do We're better than that. You got people <laughs> banging in the outfield. I know. That was uh, that was reminiscent. If you remember back when uh, was the Blue Jays opened, uh, <clears throat> what's, their, what's their building called up in Toronto? Same thing happened. You know, remember they, they, they were the first ones to have the hotel suites out there and everything. And, uh, you know, there's some folks getting it on, uh, like, during the seventh-inning stretch. From Wait, somebody was having sex in the outfield of the Rogers Center? Uh, the the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, uh, the Rogers Center. Is that, is that what it's called? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when they first opened it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a big story. Yeah, I mean, it's like during the game. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Sure. And then, you know, you have all of these moral authority people going, is it a good idea to incorporate hotels into baseball stadiums? You know, well, it's probably not a good idea to have sex with the windows open uh, in your hotel room if it's in a baseball stadium. But uh, but nevertheless, I mean, it it is what it is, right? I mean, so. Oh, I just love it. I just love that. They all came out. Oh, we're better than us throwing beer in the air. We're, we're, we're more dignified than that. You have people doing the no pants dance in the outfield, in the loft. Yeah, this oh. is, it's just February. No telling what's going to happen when it heats up in May. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're, they're a little inebriated. Maybe they're not. Maybe they wanted to show. Oh, uh, no, man. You know, a lot of that is it's just so comical. I, I mean, You I, put I, a I, bed in the outfit of a baseball game in college where the impetus is on the fan to get as drunk as possible and watch kids play baseball – Stands to read some funny business. If you put a bed there, it's going to go down. But don't start claiming that you're like some moral authority and, and judging like, oh, we're better than the bear showers. <laughs> we don't do that Lord. here. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, you know what they don't do at Swayze? Bang in the outfield. Uh, okay. uh, well, I can't say that definitively. Can I? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens out there in those woods. Hey, yeah, come on. Let's get the next question here. This That's it, man. We're done. That's it. That's all we got. All right. Took Watch a little out. longer than I expected. Watch out in the outfields. Yeah. He's David Johnson. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben at Rebels247. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. We're also available on Rebel Sports Radio. Oh, no. SoundCloud. Could be on Rebel Sports Radio soon. 
SoundCloud. So you simply search Talk of Champions and the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate 247 Sports. I, I want to say something real quick before we get out of here. David's about to start his own podcast. Can we just say it? Can we yeah, say it? Yeah, that's cool. Okay. David's about to start his own podcast. And this podcast will have a rotating group of co-hosts, including Bunky Perkins and Control Lockett and Bennett Hip and a few others. And David is going to be branching out because David's a big shot, and uh, he doesn't like oh, it anymore. That is that way. not yeah. true. Absolutely loved my time with Ben, uh, but uh, you know, all good things. But it, it's not nothing coming to an end. I, I mean, look, anytime Ben, oh, we're not friends anymore. So talk of champions, I'm going to be there. And uh, when, when, when you know, I need someone to talk about baseball and basketball or, or, or life in general. On our exciting new project, and uh, Ben Ben will certainly do that as well. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, uh, and and you know I hope Ben asks me to come on every now and then again. I'm hurt, I'm devastated. I don't know yeah, what I'm doing. Yeah. So I don't know. We might have him back Tuesday. It might be his last show, or this one might be his last show. So if it is your last show, hey man, it's been fun. Yeah. If it isn't your last show, I'll see you Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just play it by ear like that. But our new podcast, when I say our, it'll be um, myself and uh, Chris Brooks. Uh, a lot of you know him from the ESPN radio station down in Jackson. And uh, Mississippi Gridiron is his website, produces the annual Mississippi uh, High School Football Preview Magazine and all of that. Uh, Chris and I are, are embarking on uh, – on a, a new podcast together, we're excited about it, and the debut should be next Friday morning. That's uh, that's what we're aiming for, and uh, you know, uh, and hopefully we'll just strengthen our lineup here on the Ole Miss Spirit, and uh, you know that that's what I'm most excited about. How dare you? How dare you? How uh, dare you? It'll be okay. It was it's really all good. the all the Hogwarts stuff, man. Just kind of drove it. me away. Game of Thrones, you know, Harry Potter. When you dub me away. As, when you dub me as an old Hufflepuff, man, that just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever in the hell that is, I, I, I always just uh, I always just go blank when Ben goes to talking about uh, Game of, of Thongs um, and stuff like that. I got don't that knock it till you try it, like banging in the outfield. <laughs> Game of Thongs. I, I, that's what I, I'm I tried ignoring to, you. I internet searched you. that the other night, and that's what came up. I mean, oh no, just, all that tells me about is your internet history <laughs> and your internet searching habits. Game of Thongs. Okay, so, let's see what your I, mind I, is. You're I, I, filthy. I didn't find Hufflepuff though. Good there was boy. there was some a character named Tasseltop, but no Hufflepuff. Enjoy your happy days. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yep. Talk to you soon. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.